the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. It's Thursday. That means it's the date day edition of the show. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your questions, Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, anything that's on your heart. All you have to do is provide the phone call, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. Paula, I think I can say that now in my sleep. Um, Every once in a while. mm, I'm I'm thinking that's what you're mumbling. Yeah, right. You told me I was moaning the other day, and I'm thinking, I'm probably saying 340-9585. If you've got a question, you can do that. <laughs> I'm sure. You know, we'll be in the home, and you'll be saying that number. You know what my phone number is? <laughs> and now, <laughs> now, she says that because we did a nursing home ministry. Yeah. And it's an amazing thing to watch those people repeat themselves over and over and over. We had one guy named Bill. Yes. And and I'm I'm I, I love these people. And yeah, we went there for a year and a half. They were our friends. They were our friends. Yes. They're so rich. Mm-hmm. They taught me so much. Yeah. But one of them name was Bill and he every day, first thing he would say to me, he didn't say hi, he didn't say anything, he said, Bet you can't guess how old I am. Mm-hmm. Every time. And I'd say, Let me guess. Eighty four. How did you know? <laughs> And he'd say, how'd you know? And then he would say, I'm a, I, I'm a, I, back then it was a different word they used, but I'm a, I'm a mailman. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, where is your... Your route. Your route. Mm-hmm. And, and he would say, well, where do you live? And I said, yeah. well, I lived in Pomona on Dinsmore. He goes, that was my route. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd go through that over and over and over, and I just absolutely loved him to death. I think about Bessie, mm. Paula, who... Who uh, old and gnarled up hands? Her teeth would fall out of her mouth, mm-hmm. and she just was such a joy. And and uh, she go over to the piano, and it was a piano that was in as bad a shape as she was. <laughs> but she could make it sound like a baby grand piano. Yeah, and she just make it sound so good. The problem is she whatever she played at the end of her song, she would go dun 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 dun. dun. Uh-huh. And then she would smile so big her teeth would, would fall, fall out, out yep. of her oh, face. Yeah. Again. She'd play these beautiful hymns. She'd play classical music. Mm-hmm. But with those gnarled up fingers. But at the end, everyone had in the same way. Yeah. And and we learned so much about joy. And we learned so much about people's hearts. Mm-hmm. We had the privilege and the opportunity of literally being with people in their last hours. Yeah. And um, um, what a what a wonderful ministry it was, and I think God had us there at exactly the right time to teach us how He wanted us to care for the people 
um, before we were doing this. Yeah. Yeah, it was really a neat thing. And to see, you know, that's what we stress, too, is God's not done with the senior citizens. You know, most of those in there were unable to really actually care for themselves. But God's grace gave them a place to be, and, boy, um, some of them really remembered the Lord and were grateful still joyful mm-hmm. they would cry sometimes because they didn't get as many visitors as you know they thought they should but a whole lot of their families had already either died and gone to heaven or just weren't around yeah. anymore you know maybe they couldn't get to the nursing home but yeah i tell you what they would just light up when they'd see pastor ron you know i wasn't pastor on then but true I was I was their pastor, yeah, but yeah, yeah but uh, it was just neat because they were they were so full of hope and joy, and you know the devil is really busy in nursing homes, mm-hmm. and um, um, when people can't see and they can't hear, that means they can't hear the Bible, they can't read. Mm-hmm. There were times you'd you'd have to guard the door yeah. because I'd be literally two inches from from somebody's face, Helen Brown, yeah, yelling at them. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way she could hear. Yeah. And it was funny to watch her because I'd be quoting scripture to her. And um, at the top of my lungs, and I don't have a voice that carries at all. But at the top of my lungs, people outside think somebody's dying in there. <laughs> and she's just got this, this calm that comes over her yeah. face. It's like, oh, okay. I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. It was kind of like she was actually in her church from wherever she yeah. went back in the day. And she was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forsake the assembling together of the saints mm. as some are in the habit. And that situation, she wasn't able to get to church. And so when church was brought to her, you could see the countenance just change. Mm. Oh, it's going to be okay. We had this one lady, uh, Paula, we, we will never forget Margaret. And Margaret was 92. Mm-hmm. And um, she was always waiting for us at the door in her wheelchair waiting for us at the door mm-hmm. and and we're I'm I'm not a late person no. so mm-hmm. we we were never late and uh she's waiting for she's you're late I say Margaret I'm not late I'm, we don't start till 3:30 it's only 3 o'clock she goes well I've been here for 15 minutes waiting for you I say well why are you waiting for me yeah, Margaret yeah. and she would say well, well because there's somebody who needs to hear about Jesus That's right. and she would make me push her she loved me pushing mm-hmm. her through the halls yeah. and she would make me push her and she'd go into this room and all she would say is this is the guy I told you about he's going to tell you about Jesus mm-hmm. she was evangelizing in her 90s Absolutely. and that day that we went and she wasn't there and oh, that's yeah. never a good thing in a mm-hmm. nursing home mm-hmm. She wasn't there, and so I, we did our ministry, and then I asked the, the nurses, so where's Margaret? And they said, well, Margaret's probably not going to make it. And and I said, well, where is she? And they said, at the Pomona Valley Community Hospital. Mm-hmm. So we ran over there. and uh, After she, the Bible study. After the Bible study, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. She was in intensive care, and she was out, just out. Mm-hmm. So um, we sat on each side of her bed, and prayed for her, mm-hmm. and I was just getting ready to leave, so just talking to her, Margaret, we missed you today, we're <laughs> praying that you're going to be okay, mm-hmm. and, and all that, and and she started, because I had my hand on her hand, yeah. and she started to sort of uh, shake a little bit, and and she opened her eyes, and you, you're not Jesus. That's exactly what That's she exactly said. What <laughs> like, no offense, Pastor Ron, but yeah. you know what I'm yeah. saying. I don't know. I, said, I can understand your disappointment. <laughs> she goes, no, no, no. I'm really happy to see you, but I really thought the next face I would see would be Jesus. And yeah. I said, ooh, you must really be disappointed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. But she didn't die then. She came back to the nursing home for mm-hmm. a while. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's just a, um, a wonderful ministry. You mentioned a moment ago that God's not done with the seniors. No. Uh, we have a dear friend in, in uh, Oceanside who um, has been a pastor for longer than I have, um, uh, but he's in his 80s now, and he's mm-hmm. deteriorating. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he is the senior pastor, senior citizen's pastor yeah. at Oceanside, mm-hmm. and he just travels around to nursing homes and, mm-hmm. and does Bible studies. and sit. So, so, you know, God is still reaching out. And yeah. one of the things I say often here at our church is that, um, uh, you know, just because we get old doesn't mean at all 
that God's done with us. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to let us take it easy. And when we start taking it easy, we kind of chill out. Mm -hmm. Um, We do that in rebellion against God. And I tell our our seniors, Mm -hmm. of which we're a part, Mm -hmm. I I tell them all the time, hey, we need you. The younger people need you. And you need the younger people. You need to get off your rear ends Mm -hmm. and stop acting like Mm -hmm. you're at the end of your life Mm -hmm. and occupy until he comes. So we learned so many lessons. I don't know why we got off on that tangent. That was you. But, oh, <laughs> it wasn't we. Okay. That was just all you right there. <laughs> but but we really really liked it. We also this morning at breakfast had a neat encounter with we a couple. We did. We did. Um, we met Jason, Thelma, and Camden. And Jason and Thelma are, I would say, maybe thirties, late thirties, mid to late thirties, possibly. And they had little Camden there, who maybe. He's four, he told me. Oh, that's right. He put up his fingers. He's yeah. four. <laughs> and seriously, I was thinking that's their first child. They just had one late. And so he was the cutest thing. So I just asked him, do you guys need a grandma in your life? Do you need a grandma in your life? And, and Jason said, well, actually, we have them and they live close by. I said, oh, well. Anyway, whatever, <laughs> kind of what they, until we asked, well, how long you been married? You asked, how long you been married? And they said, 15 years. I was like, really? You don't look old enough to have been married 15 years already. But the next thing they said was, oh, yeah, no, we have five other boys. Five other boys? Yep, we have one who's 11 and then a foursome. They had, what is that, quadruplets. quadruplets. Yeah. You just don't hear that, you know? Quadruplet. So I immediately touched him and said, You need to stay in shape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Jason's ex military. Um, no, he's still he's, in. He's going he's to got retire. One more year. Yes, yeah. right. He's going to retire in a year. And just, we just had just a great time with them, right? I, I love just not being a stranger to people. And, and they were just very um, engaging and, you know, Jason let me kiss him on the cheek, and, and Thelma let me hug her, and Camden and I, I said, Camden, you and I, we going to hook up one of these days. And so we did the two, the two fingers pointing to our eyes and then to each other's eyes, and he did the same thing back to me. And so it was just a really a wonderful time there. You shouldn't have strangers. Yeah. That, there's ministry opportunities literally everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to HEB, um, you don't say, I'm going to HEB. You say, I'm going to my... My third, third ministry. ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> where, we, where we eat breakfast, that's a ministry. That's my second. Yeah. And so nah, we, we, have, we, have, we have all of these things yeah. that we do, but we consider every place an opportunity for ministry. Absolutely. And there's always the lost, the hurting, the hungry, the broken, the needy, the confused, mm-hmm. the fearfully angry. Mm-hmm. Um, everywhere. Yeah. And every once in a while you get to run into a Jason and Velma who Thelma. Thelma. Yes. Who who um just are a joy, an absolute delight to be around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said, Ooh, you you should be more tired than you look. <laughs> I mean, they got all those boys yeah. and quads. I said, ooh, you need to find a gym. Yeah. You need to stay in shape. Yeah. And they just yeah. laughed. And, you know, we got to talk to them a little bit and share with them a little bit. So it's just it's just really a, uh, an opportunity everywhere you go. It's mm-hmm. not like, well, I got to be in church. I got to be out in the streets doing street evangelism. Everywhere you yeah. go. And I always have cards, mm-hmm. you know, the church cards with the, with the information how many services we have here, and then on the other side is how many radio programs and the phone numbers. And I usually put my own personal phone number on there, so I expect to call Thelma if you're listening. <laughs> well, they, they were because I want to hook up with Camden. Yeah, they were about as nice and as engaging yeah. as as people anybody that we've ever run into. It was really, really mm-hmm. a delight mm-hmm. to run into them, and I just thought, boy, there's a light of Christ, and we didn't get to talk about that. We didn't know whether they're Christians or not, but. But um, um, there was just, uh, it was just a joyful experience. Yeah. It really, really was. It really was. We, you, you said, well, I probably should show you the pictures of my family. Oh, yeah. I probably should show you the pictures <laughs> of my family. They, they look pretty good, too. So, anyway, it was fun. And then I, I met another young lady because you pointed out she had on an ASU shirt. Mm-hmm. And That's I, Arizona State University. Oh, yes, yes. For those of you who don't know. So, um, so I went up to her because my brother and I said, Hey, did you go there? She goes, I just graduated last year. I was like, well, did you meet my brother? She said, what? I said, my brother's the athletic director there. She goes, really? No. So we got to talk a little bit, you know, and then she was sitting there with a young man. And I was like, oh, sorry, sir. 
uh, hello. Uh, and then I, after, <laughs> I'm just ignoring you. Yeah, I'm just ignoring you. You don't have on an ASU T-shirt. But anyway, I, I turned back to her. I said, who is this to you? Why is he sitting there, like, giving you goo-goo eyes? And she's like, oh, it's my boyfriend. So anyway, I told him, don't mess it up. So anyway, she said, yeah, my whole family's from Arizona, and we all graduated from ASU, and I, she's only been living here one year. So I said, well, okay. So I went back to the to my table, and I got a card ready, you know. And then she comes back, and she gave me a card of hers. She's a nail person, stylist, whatever you want to call that. And so we got to change, exchange some phone numbers. Uh, I'm expecting <laughs> some more ministry, Pastor Ron. It, it, it's just fun to be out and sharing that's what it means to be a light. You know, when we, we're so consumed with our own stuff, yeah. um, we, we don't look around and see the people that Jesus has placed right in front of us. And, um, you know, it, it, it makes just an ordinary breakfast into something pretty extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And we, we have that opportunity a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the waitresses and the waiters there, they all come. Hi, Mama Paula. Hi, Papa. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and they wanna, or hi, Ron. Hi, Paula. They're waving all over the place. So you just... Just go and be a light. It's yeah, fun. in fact, in fact, with some of them, they're 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 um, living with people they're not married to, mm-hmm. and it gives it gives me the opportunity to say, "Now you know what I do, right? <laughs> I yeah. can solve this problem in yeah. a minute. You go get a license, I can marry you. Yeah, yeah. Because you got to get right with God. Well, we have and, a church, you know. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we don't charge. We don't yeah. charge. Well, I'll marry you for free. The the building is free. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Because we want you to be right with God, mm-hmm. and you get so many opportunities, and and um, you know what? Uh, there's been one of them over the years who's really resented that, mm-hmm. uh, but the rest of them, they, I know we're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. Well, then let's mm-hmm. let's do it right. Let's, let's put it in that. a place where God can do this stuff. Yeah. So just again, ministry opportunities abound everywhere we go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I dominated your show according to you. So. <laughs> You just started it out. It's great. I loved it. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you have any questions or comments for Paula today, Paula, what's on your heart? Well, you know, I love conviction, Pastor Ron. I've told you that before. Sometimes I love it, and sometimes I love it a little less. But it's it's really good. With this last night's study, you can you know it got quiet after a while because you really, did it. Really did, didn't you, it? Yeah, you did um, the study of. Naming the leper, but now you can turn around and say naming the former leper. But for for Christians, you know the Bible's written to us. <laughs> so when you read these kind of things, and you were talking about deal with your pride, because Naaman had a lot of pride. He was he looked really good on the outside. If if nobody knew his secret, you know, and somebody always knows your secret. Of course, you, we know that. But if if nobody on the outside world knew his secret. He can just put on that show. I, I wonder how uncomfortable that man had to be year-round, fully covered, you know, well, with his uniform. Actually, in, in desert climates like that, they, they do that anyway. It's, it's very light clothing, uh, a lot of it linen, but they wrap themselves. There's dust and mm-hmm. the heat, intense heat. So so that's But, but he would have been re- – only thing open was eye holes. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, to everybody in the world, he looked like this great man, this valiant warrior. Probably like a ninja. Well, only <laughs> only with weapons and an army. But but this was this was a guy who was like the man, mm-hmm. and um, and and yet, regardless of what everybody else thought about him, he had a problem. He had leprosy, and it was a secret that he thought nobody knew about. You know, mm-hmm. well, well, we're just he just. Honey, this is between you and me. Mm-hmm. He would say to his mm-hmm. wife, mm-hmm. and and uh, and yet she had a, a servant girl who had been captured from Israel, mm-hmm. and so she'd been telling her servant girl about this. And the servant girl says, "Well, if he would only go see the prophet in Samaria, mm-hmm. I'm sure he could heal him of his of his leprosy." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had to go to the king, mm-hmm. sort of his boss, mm-hmm. and, and and say, "Well, I, I've got this this problem, but." They're telling me somebody can heal it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, by all means, go. I'll send you a letter. So mm-hmm. now he knows. And the people in his court now know. Mm-hmm. So the secrets never stay secret. And one of the things that I wanted to communicate last night is uh, probably everybody in that room last night was was uh, had some secrets. 
And maybe they've been able to cover them up for a while. But God is always going to bring those secrets to the surface because he wants you to deal with them. Leprosy is a type of sin in the Bible. And, and, and we've got these little secret things, you know, the filthy stuff that we look at on computer screens, the, the ugliness in our own homes, um, the, 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 the drinking, the drugs that we do, um, uh, the, the flirtatious online type relationships we enter into and we think well nobody knows nobody's going to find out and God is in heaven saying look you better deal with this before I do because if I deal with it everybody's going to know and in Naaman's case when he was told to go down he was angry but he was told to go down and dip in the Jordan River seven times Mm -hmm. Um, before you get in the water you got to take off your clothes and at some point with that Jewish audience somebody would have cried unclean as soon as they saw the leprosy Mm -hmm. And his cover was busted. So it's just one of those things where uh, secrets need to be dealt with. And it's often, most often, Paula, pride is what keeps us from dealing with it. We just don't want people to know that we're not all that. Mm-hmm. And truth is, they already know that. <laughs> but, but, but to get right with God, we've got to deal with pride. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering, you know, how you are. You went through the, the first time that he said, okay. I'm like, you know, the entourage knows. It's like, okay, master, if he didn't ask you to do something, some great thing, you know, conquer the world, whatever kind of thing. I'm going to climb Mount Everest or what, those kind of things. Um, but he he's ready to go home. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. One time in and he comes out, like you said, I know for a fact I would have been looking. Like, there should be some improvement, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There should be some improvement. I should be seeing something just kind of disappearing. But the prophet said seven times, you know, no half-stepping here. It's so second and, you know, he's he's like, forget it. I'm, I'm out of here. And I'm sure the, come on, go, go on, go ahead. Yeah, but remember the crowd, it's a Jewish crowd. Oh, yeah. And they're they're crying out, unclean, unclean, leprosy, leprosy. Leprosy was a fatal disease then. Yeah. And there was no cure. And um, um, every time he would look at, come out of the water, look at his condition. We don't know where the spot was, what it was, mm-hmm. but he would look at the condition and then um, have to go back in the second time and the third time. And mm-hmm. each time a layer of pride is being stripped away. And finally he gets to six and he looks at it and there's no improvement at all mm-hmm. at his spot. And all he can think about is, well, this was a waste of time, but. What have I got to lose? Mm-hmm. It's only one more time. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says his, he came out with skin was like that of a newborn baby. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. That would just be so awesome. And he's walking out completely defeated. But as he's walking out, the people are looking. I'm sure he's not even looking at his 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 spots or whatever it was anymore. He's just like... Whatever. Just let me just get my clothes back on and going home. You know this didn't work, and everybody knows now. And so I'm busted. I found out what's next, kind of thing. And the people are going, "Oh, what? It's a miracle!" You know, he's changed. He's a Second Corinthians five seventeen guy. <laughs> That's my favorite. People say, "Well, the New Testament doesn't anything to do with that." In the New Testament, Jesus acknowledged that Naaman. There were a lot of lepers, Jesus said, but none except Naaman, the Syrian, was healed. Mm-hmm. And and then they, they got mad at Jesus because they knew what he was saying. Mm-hmm. But um, it was an exceptional moment. And um, I, I think one of the things we've got to remember is exceptional moments can't happen unless we deal with our secrets mm-hmm. and we let God deal with our pride. Yeah. Humble yourselves before he does it, because when he does it, it's painful. Yeah. I can tell you that from personal experience. Me too. Me too. It's it's much better. So, Christians still have pride. Okay, that's what I wrote down. But then I said Christians, comma, you, Paula, comma, still have pride. Uh, don't insist on being right. Don't think ugly thoughts of others. Take those thoughts captive. Repent quickly. Be grateful. Don't care about getting even. These are some of the things you were saying, but then I 
have my own other things as well. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Uh Don't get your feelings hurt so quickly. No moping. Um, And then the fact that he comes out and it's a miracle for him, but it's a miracle for others as well who are experiencing this. The purpose of every miracle, Name is able to say, now I know the Gentile, you know, general now says, now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. The God of the, Israel. The God of and, Israel. And one of the things I think we forget because of all the bad teaching that we get, uh, Paula, um, we forget that miracles aren't for us. Miracles are to show unbelievers mm-hmm. the goodness and the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And and Naaman, we're going to pick up with him next Wednesday, but Naaman is just one of those guys who, who says, uh, you know, I've been following these false gods. I've been listening to everybody. But now I know for myself there's mm-hmm. only a God mm-hmm. of Israel. Mm-hmm. And, and Naaman, of course, we're going to see him in heaven because of that. I, I just love the story. Yeah. What, what kind of testimony did, because he goes back home to his, you think his wife went with him? Or does he go back home and his wife and the mistress is waiting there? Well, he does. He goes back home. Of course, we don't have that part of the story in the uh-huh. Bible. But, yeah, he goes back home. He's uh, Historically, he's a pretty um, significant figure. Oh, cool. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the date day edition of the program, 340-9585. We'll be back in two minutes. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the show we've got 30 minutes left for paula's wisdom paula what's on your heart you want to say one other thing about oh, naming didn't you mm-hmm, yeah the last thing you ended with last night was secrets and pride uh, prevent us from being used in ministry and you know the Lord left us here not just to be Christians and, and stay home and you know thinking we're good Christians because we're not being with people that's the most selfish thing we can do but um, he wants to use us like we were today to turn around and tell other people you know Jesus has a plan for your life or we can we can encourage somebody or we can just that have the joy of the Lord um, with us. So we all want to be using ministry in some way, fashion, or form. And secrets and pride prevent us from being used in ministry. So, um, and, and we're not all any, uh, anybody going to be perfect until we're with Jesus. But um, we should try to, we should aim for perfection like you always say, yeah. you know, not just loving conviction. You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm guilty of that. But it's altogether different to say I don't want to be guilty of that any longer, and and make some changes. So, yeah, you know, secrets, Paula, hurt people. Even even the the secrets they don't know yet, they hurt people because uh, the people you say you love, and um, that, that's why it's so important to deal with them uh, because there are people who are getting hurt. I had lots and lots of secrets, and uh, well, you didn't know what those secrets were. You could see my life falling apart, and you could see. And you experience the pain mm-hmm. of all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's just something we gotta we gotta deal with. Eventually, those secrets are gonna be revealed by the Lord, especially if you belong to the Lord. You know, believers, we can't get away with anything for very long because God loves us too much to let us get away with it. So uh, I hope that's one of the lessons that people got from from the Bible study last night. Yeah, it was it was uh, deafening, silent because. You know, you have to weigh the, the what's going to happen. If I tell him or her this, what are they going to do? If I tell my kids this or that, what are they going to what are they going to think? So anyway, let's move on from that because um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, at the Calvary Chapel Association Pastors Wives Conference, and um, they asked me to speak on love and unity you know, in the body of Christ. And and that's what we really kind of aim for here. And so unity, unity is not uh, uniformity. Uh, And it was kind of, it's kind of neat to 
remember that each person is uh, uniquely designed for God's own purpose. Um, and I, I love thinking, because that's one of my favorite words, unique, being the only one of its kind, unlike anyone else. And so um, I remember being uh, one that would just like, well, what kind of pastor's wife am I going to be? I should be like this person or that person. And it was like the Lord said, nope, I've uniquely designed you to be you. And when you would say, just be yourself, I would say, I don't know what that means. How do I be myself? And so uh, the Lord just, he's, you know, he's trying to grow me up. And it's a slow process, but it's happening. So unique, particularly remarkable, special, or unusual. Um, And man, are we, (laughs) when you look around at the church, we are uh, a bunch. We are a bunch mismatched, (laughs) and yet one father, um, and he's so thrilled uh, how you look at a a tapestry, and on the back, it's all of those strings just going everywhere. The colors are all mixed up, and it doesn't look like much, but then when you turn it over, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And so, though we're all unique, um, we're in unity, but we're not uniformity. We're not all the same. That would be completely boring. But we all belong to and are connected to one particular person, Jesus, and or his, or a group that's his church. I like how in First Peter two nine it says we are God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. And that's kind of a plug for. Um, First John study that we're going to be starting, um, let me see, on the 12th of September. So not this Monday, it's Labor Day, we're off. So, you know, don't show up. I'm still going to have the prayer breakfast. I just said that for the producer who's our announcer here at the church. So he put it on the bulletin. Um, but he calling us out of darkness. So you ladies, get there. So anyway, um, he, we're God's special possession that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Um, then I told them about Psalm 37, 4, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, you know, before we came to San Antonio, and remember my, my topic is unity and love in the body of Christ. But before we came to San Antonio, one of the desires Jesus put on my heart was to know the names of the people who came to Calvary Chapel, San Antonio, or remember their story because the Lord knows stuff. And for, I don't know how many years, because it's in my, my list of how many times your teaching focus would change. Um, this one was the people are the point. The people are the point. Um, and so, you know, when we start, some churches, we start complaining about the people that are in our church and stuff. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. The people are the point. You've been praying, and I put that on your heart, too, uh, praying for the lost, the hurting, the hungry, the broken, the needy, the confused, the fearful, and the angry. And then one of my friends. We we just added those two during the pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And then the other one, my friend added, she says, this is what I add this one, and the proud. That was before last night's study, because she told me that she on Tuesday. So the people are the point. Um, and you know what? In our families, they're all dysfunctional. <laughs> and, but in uh, Psalm eight sixty eight six, it says, God sets the lonely in families. Again, the lost, the hurting, hungry, broken, needy, confused, fearful, angry, and proud. We got some, we got some healthy ones too, but we still, even the healthy ones have issues. So um, everybody who comes here, they fit in. <laughs> they fit in here. Um, but those in our churches have become our family. This is family. Paula, do you, do you find when you go to other places, mm-hmm. the atmosphere is different? The, the conversation between pastor's wives are, is different? Maybe, maybe the focus is on the, the, the sheep that they say bite or those that are causing pain or disappointment. Or, or do, you, do you find, by and large, that the, the, the women are just really grateful and this really is family? You know, one of the things that's always blessed me about you is I've never had to ask you to come to church. Um, you you go to church more than anybody I know, and uh, I've had other pastors say, "Well, well, how do you get your wife to go to all three services?" 
And I say, how do I get her to go? I, I, I couldn't keep her get away. Get in the car. Let's go. Yeah. Church is coming. <laughs> I, I couldn't keep her away. What, you mean your wife doesn't go to all the services? Um, what, what, what's the difference that you, you see? Yeah, that is, that is a thing. But I think that's why I was asked to have this topic, because I was able to tell them that, um, you know, God has entrusted the people to us and if it wasn't for the people coming here, that wouldn't be church. And so, you know, and such were some of you. That's another one of my scriptures. And such were some of you. We were all a hot mess. We didn't, we weren't called pastor's wives because, you know, we deserve to be. No, for the most part, we're the are-nots. And, and they can look at us and say, well, if God can do something with her, he can do something with me. And so, yeah, but I do get this quite a bit because— when it's a praise the Lord kind of a thing. When I go, the ladies who go with me and they all want to go, um, you can tell we're family. You know, even at the conferences when I would go to California, you know, the board of the pastor's wives, they all just sit together all the time. Um, like there's this, just this group, we're the, we're the elite, which always bugged me. Um, and so, but I'm not like that, and I don't want to be like that. I don't want the people to think, oh, um, now that she's with the pastor's wife, she's too much. No, no, no. The people are the point. We are to spread out and love on the people. Yeah. But everywhere I, pretty much everywhere I would go, the pastor's wives would say, how do you get your girls to be like that? I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? How do you get your girls? They call you mama and stuff. I said, I love them. I'm invested in their lives as far as they let me in, and they love me back. I don't get the question you're asking me. But some of them have been taught that they don't associate with the people in their churches. Some because they are going to get hurt or have been hurt. Um, Just like some people come to the church um, and they say, or they stay home and say, I'm not going back to church because I've been hurt in church. But but doesn't it indicate that that pastors and pastors' wives— uh, they're guilty of the same things that regular yep. uh, people in the church are. We have expectations. People, well, if I'm serving them, if I'm loving them, if I'm yeah. praying for them, mm-hmm. I'm teaching them. Yeah. Then they ought to respond this way. Yeah. And and any any time you have expectations, uh, you you actually cease to be a servant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's when when those expectations aren't met and how you respond that reveals your true heart. And and I can tell you, Paul, any pastor, any pastor's wife who's in this. Um, to get back from the flock, their heart's not in the right place to begin with. Yeah. And God's going to reveal that. What is my favorite scripture? First Corinthians 4, 2. It's required that every mm-hmm. man or woman given a trust by must, God must, must prove, prove faithful. faithful. Yeah. And and God is not going to allow us to, to, to overcome if we're interested. Well, this is how they treat me. Uh, you know, you got to get rid of the personal pronouns in ministry. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we try to communicate here all the time is you got to get over you. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, we've all been hurt. And that was what we talked about there as well. Um, we've all been hurt. But the Lord says, okay, but I've entrusted you with the people. And so I get to tell them, hands down, heart open. Nobody likes being vulnerable. And I'm talking to a room of pastor's wives. And so nobody likes being vulnerable. But the Lord says, he did that for us. He made himself vulnerable. He's hanging basically naked on a cross, beat up, you know, spit on, beard pulled out, um, holes in him. Uh, yeah, I mean, so if, we, if he did it, he's asking us to do the same thing. Nobody likes that, but we're called to that. Um, and loving people, the difficult ones, they're the ones. It, church is a hospital for sick people. Not all, not just the healthy ones are going to come who appreciate, you know, this calling on your life. They're not going to appreciate. You know, one thing we've learned is if you pray for the broken yep. and the confused yeah, uh, and your heart is right, God will bring them. And, and, you know, yesterday I was asked a question on the radio show about, uh, program about the, the greatest joy and the greatest source of pain. Yes, I source. And, and, you know, I, by far the greatest joy is seeing broken and confused people 
um, find Jesus, the real Jesus. I'm not suggesting they weren't saved when they got here, mm-hmm. but but they find the real Jesus, mm-hmm. and and the real Jesus is the one that that puts them back together again. Mm-hmm. And um, um, we who are in leadership in the church, we ought to be the ones who are most aware of that. And, and what did Paul say? I'm spent but willing to be spent yeah. uh, even more. Mm-hmm. I, I've got more I have to give. Even when i got nothing else to give, mm-hmm. I've got to give more. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really the job of a pastor in the church and a pastor's wife. Yeah. And it's such a privilege. I think we forget that when our focus becomes inward, we start worrying about what people are saying about us or what people are treating us. I think personally, um, here's one area nobody ever takes my counsel. Okay. Stay off social media. Oh, yeah. If if I knew, and that was another one, you had that question of how much do you share with me? Mm-hmm. And in the other way, it could go either way. How much do I share with you as well? There's some times where I don't, I don't need to know. I don't want to know. I don't, I don't want to know that somebody said something bad because I still do want to be able to, you know, minister to people. I can remember, excuse me, <coughs> I'm so sorry, <coughs> being in H-E-B. Where am I being H-E-B, and that's my, it's really my third ministry. <laughs> um, I think the other place is my fourth ministry. Uh, but, uh, and seeing some of the people who had left our church, you know, and I knew they didn't leave well, but I didn't know to what extent. And so I just go up to them, hey, how you doing? I want to hug them and stuff, and they're all stiff, you know. And I'm just my same old crazy me. And then I walk away thinking, that was kind of awkward, and then I remember, oh yeah, they left bad. <laughs> They're probably thinking she's so she's so ridiculous. Why is she, why is she like that? But the Lord says, you know, heat burning coals on their heads, and they, you know, maybe they'll come back. And a lot of people misunderstand that that's a good thing you're doing yeah. when you're heaping. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I used to think that was bad. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna burn their scalp. Yeah. You know, they won't have any hair left. But no, um, no, hurting people hurt people, and however they got hurt, whatever. Or, Maybe just, you know, something, they got convicted and they didn't want to stop. I don't know, you know, but I don't need to know. I just need to know. I I just need to learn. Well, well, neither neither one of us is on social media. Praise God. So we don't read what people say. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to be able to love people and we're humans. And if somebody is is trashing us, uh, it's hard to love them. Mm -hmm. And so it's just better to be fat, dumb, and happy in that (laughs) regard, you know, and just, I, I, no, I don't really care about, and, and I, I I tell other pastors, again, nobody listens to me. People in my own church don't listen to me on this. Um, Just, just stay off social media. Nobody needs to know your opinion. Your opinion is only about Jesus Mm -hmm. and his word. And, and you have plenty of opportunities to, to, to share that. But the problem is we get trapped into likes and followers and things like that. And uh, we lose sight of our purpose of ministry. Yeah. Our purpose of ministry is to spend and be spent mm-hmm. for the lost, the hurting, the hungry, the broken, the needy, the confused, the fearful, the angry. Yeah. I took them to First Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8, where it says, But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. I, and I emphasize her little children. We are way better at caring for our own kids than someone else. But these are Jesus's kids. Yeah, our kids are precious. The other kids are brats. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it goes on to say, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And I, I, go ahead. You want to say something? No, I was just going to say, you said earlier, we've had so many people come to us and say, well, we were taught that as pastors, you can't get involved in your in your, your, the, the lives of the people in your mm-hmm. church. You've got to stay separate or distant from mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, where do you get that? Who told you that? Yeah. yeah. He, the, the Bible mm-hmm. is pretty clear. The Apostle Paul said we share our lives with you. Yeah. And being accessible to the people in your church is, uh, I, think, I think if you're not, you cease to be a shepherd. You cease to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so it says... Um, because you have become so dear to us. How are they going to become dear to you if you're not letting them in? So that was my admonition to them. Look, we need to open up our hearts, our homes, to the people who come to our church. Um, you know, I told them I have the prayer breakfast. It's not at our church. It's in my home. You know, it's easy to have stuff at the church, but it's not easy to have people in your home. Um, but we want to let them in. 
and so they're in our lives because they've become so dear. And then uh, 2, 11, and 12 says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Now, we're, they're growing up, so they're not the little children. They're, they're getting grown, and so we're dealing with them as our own children. One, encouraging them to do what's right, comforting them when they maybe fail, and then urging them to get up and live lives worthy of God who calls them into his kingdom and glory. And so with patience and um, looking at them like they matter, they're not a burden. You know, this this calling is not just a job. Yeah, you know, if, if somebody in the church sees a look of disappointment in your face or you're short with them, uh, that's the way everybody else in their life deals with them. And we're supposed to be representing Jesus who would... Uh, be looking at them and, and just saying, no, it's okay, come on. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I love all the people that were bugging everybody else. Jesus said, no, 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 bring them to me. Mm-hmm. I love that when, when Jesus will just stop, you know, or look up. He said, no, 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 bring them over here. I, I, let them let come. He believes in me. Something good is going to happen today. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a lady. I called her, and she was quite upset you know, just about some things in her own life. And, you know, uh, what you said uh, sparked this in me. Uh, and she, you know, we, we discussed it, and okay, okay, okay. Well, the next day she, she texted me to say, um, do you still love me? I was like, what? Because she opened up and, and had some complaints and stuff, and so, you know, not everything was perfect and happy and all that. And so she was wondering if I still loved her now that she opened up her heart and said, told me some things that are, are displeasing to her. And I just thought, what in the world? So I, the next day I told her, don't ever ask me that question again. Please don't ask me that again. The love of God, Romans 5, five love of God has been put in my heart for you. I'm going to love you forever. God has just done that. That goes all the way back to the beginning of this where God put that desire to know their names or to know their story. And you know how there some people, when you first see them, you don't even know them. But it's like the Lord said, that one. And you just, that one. You're just going to love them forever. I have quite a few of those. that I, He just, he's got a, a spotlight on them put in my heart that he's got a special thing that he's going to do with them. And so so we're, we're the, the mom, gentle mom. Uh, for the, her own little children, and then a father who deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and then urging them again, let's get up, let's start over. Um, and then we tell them, okay, now that you know all these things, you know we love you, um, I'm going to tell you something else. Because you can't just say you're a Christian and live the way you want to live. So we go to First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. And, of course, we all know sanctified means set apart. We can't any longer just live like we used to, and we can't just go along with the world's uh, ways because we know more of that usually than we know of, of God's ways. So we get to tell them that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen, who do not know God. So since we know God, we have got to be the ones that he can shine through, that we set ourselves apart because he set us apart to um, be different than the world. And then when we fail, man, this is the one I don't really care for some t- most of the time, but um, Hebrews twelve eleven through 14 says no discipline. And that's what happens when we're saying, hey, you got to stop this lifestyle that you're living um otherwise you're going to get some discipline and that discipline doesn't seem very pleasant at the time but painful later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it and the discipline is so that we learn from our mistakes not to repeat them again so um as prisoners for the lord we urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And I'm talking to pastors' wives again. Uh, we're not prisoners. We, are, we have a wonderful calling on our lives. Um, and so for the pastors' wives, just before we, we closed out, I said, 
Remember, we need to be completely humble and gentle, to be patient, bearing with one another in love. And that bearing um, is to carry, to support, to take responsibility for. And I always kind of use that joking right on that part when uh, you tell people when, when Fiesta comes around, Please don't let me see you on TV with those beads and a stack of empty <laughs> beer, empty beer cups. You know, we take responsibility for y'all, but don't tell them where you go to church. <laughs> but if we do see you on the on the TV, we're gonna uh, we still gonna love you, but we're gonna say, no, that's not a good look. Okay, so but we bearing we endure an ordeal or difficulty. Paul, we're just about a minute out. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I've just running my mouth, huh? <laughs> so uh, what do you want to share in the last minute? Um, just for us as Christians, the last thing is make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You know, love and unity in the body. You know, so we don't have people coming in saying, well, I didn't fit in. Nobody said hi to me. Um, you know, churches all, they just, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rambling here but um the body of christ is very important then we're family if we could look at each other as family god has put this family together and yeah we're all dysfunctional but yeah be gentle and patient be filled with the holy spirit bear one one another's burdens yeah yeah it's a it's a good life and so talking to pastor's wives um you weren't tricked into this you know some some just got married, and they didn't know that they were going to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> you know, I don't know why they didn't yeah. talk about that. But you, uh, you didn't know you were going to be a pastor's wife. I didn't know I was going to have a <laughs> husband who was saved. Hey, it's time for us to <laughs> sign off. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It's always nice to be here with Paula. And even nicer to know that you guys are listening. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. I'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing, at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.